So, welcome everyone to Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. I'm Blind Monkey, a.k.a. Denard Dale. I'm Mute Monkey, a.k.a. Sam Lego. And today we are going to talk to you about one of our favorite things, somewhere between food and water on the spectrum, which is Gundam. It is uh, the 40th year anniversary of the uh, of the original series, uh, which aired in 1979. In celebration of that, we're going to talk about the best element of that series, and that is one, Char Aznable. <laughs> now, Char Aznable is a lot like what you want it to be like when you grow up only with none of the virtue or really doing anything positive for other human beings. Really just making the world worse, honestly. It's a, it's a very special way to move through a developed society or i guess a, a barbaric war-torn hellscape which war-torn hells are just you know people doing what people are gonna do to one another but you especially because you're char asnable and again the world is such a worse place for your having been there debatably a product of his environment and um when it comes to char i thought a fun way to do this mm-hmm. would be specifically to recount a list of people that he betrays Throughout the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise. Yeah, no, that's that sounds fun. So if you don't know, uh, Char Aznable is famous for a whole host of things. He's known as he's known as the best mobile suit pilot in the original Universal Century continuity. His mobile suits are known for just going three times faster for no other reason than they're colored red. And also, you know, Gork and Mort kind of logic. Gork and Mort kind of, yeah. No, I think I'm pretty sure that that is a direct reference to Mobile Suit Gundam. Real chicken egg kind of scenario. Yeah. Most importantly to me, at least, is the fact that he cannot go ten seconds without double crossing someone. I don't know if you've ever known someone that's had Tourette's or an anxious leg that they tap a lot when nothing's happening. Oh, I'm doing that right now. That tapping leg is him ruining the life of someone close to him. <laughs> and it's a it's sort of a primary driver in the he, series. He I does know. it so frequently and he does it so naturally that you'd think it was a reflex for him. He makes it look so easy. Another minor note of context I would, I guess, drop in there is that he's a figure in multiple installments of this franchise. Yeah, no, that's important to know. If you're uh, not into Gundam, it has the whole Star Wars thing going where there are multiple installments along one timeline, some better than others. Though I guess I would say that Gundam hits a bit more consistently than Star Wars if you, if you rope in the prequels and the holiday specials and the like. No, Gundam Age was a crime against humanity. It was one crime against humanity. And then Gundam Seed Des... No, I can't, I can't hate Gundam Seed Destiny. Yeah, that's called a, it, like a circus train it, It's such a fucking... Uh, yeah, no, for real. Maybe it's because I watched it after it had already aired and knew going in that it was going to be bad. That makes it easier. Like I had such a fun time with that Destiny, stupid piece of shit. Destiny is akin to a trapeze artist face planting into the netting. Gundam Age, the netting snaps and you get a Dick Grayson scenario where you just hear a dry thud. And it gets very quiet, and they carry him on. They try to entertain with the elephants after that, but no one wants to see the elephants after that, because the tone has already been ruined. I think age, it should also be noted that the trapeze show up to then had been pretty solid. You could be forgiven for thinking that, oh man, this might have been one of the better trapeze shows you've ever seen. Yep. And then, no, no, the net tour. The net tour, the net tour and then everyone saw, gr- everyone saw the bloody <laughs> mangled fucking mess yeah, someone thought it was a good re- idea to, like, grease up the handles before they went out for their last set. You know, show them some real skill. 
All right, so we've got Char, ace pilot in his youth. Only, I guess, before he's even an ace pilot. His birth name is Kasvel Daikom. Kasvel, and he's the son of the sort of intellectual spearhead of the separatist movement. And things go poorly, as they tend to do in sort of populist dictatorships. His Lenin-esque father was either assassinated or had a heart attack. We're never actually told which of these two things happened. Which but they killed, them. Things... They, 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 they killed them. Maybe they did. Have you seen these people? Have you seen the world they the argu- live in? An argument could be made either way. We're never given a definite answer. Shar Aznavol has gone by four names in his life, and we will be switching between them uh, based on where he is at that point in his life. He was born Coswell Dykum. He was later rechristened Edward Mass. He is best known as Shar Aznavol, and for a uh, brief period of time, about eight years after the One Year War, which was the events of the first series, he called himself Quattro Begina. Going in, don't worry about memorizing any of that stuff because A, this isn't a test, this is a podcast. And B, just think of these as just proceeding up a level tree of personal betrayal. Like, you know, you're just collecting your experience in an RPG. You start out, like, stepping on frogs in a marsh, and by the end you're <laughs> suplexing dragons into other dragons. First betrayal. He's in an idyllic farm in a space station. It's, it's far in the future. Rock with it. Mm. And after his family gets slightly kicked out via potential murder from the Third Reich entity... He's taken in by this warm Spanish billionaire. What's his name again? Tiablo Mass. Tiablo Mass. And he's his adoptive son. But after after assassins are sent to Earth to kill them, then they flee Earth again yeah. and go, go to a separate colony in space, the Texas colony, and are taken in by the generous Asnable family, who have, I think they have a daughter. Uh, more importantly, they have a son. This son's name is Shar Hasdabal. Are you ready to get confused? I am so ready to get confused. Cool. And this and this son Char is a pretty nice dude. Their host is a pretty nice dude. And this son Char has the honor of being the first person to get stabbed in the spine by developing... Oh man, the name switchery is already oh, fucking... By the, by the developing sociopath. No, so uh, the, the kid kind of deserves it, though. He's a fucking brown shirt asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he's talking about Zeon at the dinner table like they're the best thing that's happened since the Third Reich. I bet he'd contend that the Third Reich was a good thing. He is a man that owns many red hats. Yeah. So, so right off the bat, you're thinking, oh, that's well, hard. fuck this guy just a little bit. Uh... Indeed, fuck this guy. <laughs> because, uh... The man who would become Char comes to the same conclusion. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening is that Char Prime, uh, the brown shirt Char Prime, he wants to enlist in the Republic of Zeon. It is the Republic at that point. The Republic of Zeon's military academy. I believe our Char, at that time named Edward Mass comes with him for whatever reason. I can't remember what it was. I do not think he was planning on going to the Xeon Military Academy. I think he was just going with him to the uh, to the airport or something like that. Or spaceport, I guess, in this case. There's sort of a stick in the bike wheel of this plan as some of Kaecilia that are not Darth Vader-y, I don't know, Evil Vizier, Spy Master? Spy Master. Yeah, she's spy the master evil Spy of Master of the Principality of Xeon. A bunch of her dudes are tailing behind them and 
If you had, you know, standards or a moral center, you might want to inform your host family of the people coming with knives in their hand. But, uh, Char, you know, as we said, kind of a bastard. Char has other standards, other motivations. <laughs> Edward. His name is Edward at this point. Fuck me, man. Okay. <laughs> God okay. damn. This is going to be the hardest one, and once we clear this one, it's easy, because it's only one Char after that, because he's dead now. Edward... Basically, jacks Char's passport and goes to military academy instead, leaving Char Prime to be blown up by Caecilia's goons. Blown up by Caecilia's goons in a uh, shuttle explosion. An event that Char reacts to with all the emotion of, I don't know, you ever, uh, not even, not even like stepped on a bug. Just, I can't like, remember if he laughed or not because he might have laughed. There's a very good chance. It seems to be his kind of joke. Oh, it just, <laughs> oh, you died instead of me. I think his five minutes at the comedy store begin with, so once I knew this guy, I took everything. <laughs> now he's dead. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, but, re- but really, space airlines, right? The food, <laughs> the food's crazy. That is the first person he's betrayed. The second person he betrays is his uh, roommate at this Xeon Military Academy. This is a man yep. named, uh, named Lino, I believe is his name. Lino is, I guess, a friend of the former Char Aznable, knows this kid's personality, <laughs> knows that this, this, this guy who's calling himself Char, no, nah, this ain't the guy. This isn't, ain't quite the same a, guy. Uh, this isn't quite a perfect fit. I wonder, I wonder what's going on here. Uh. So for the next several years while they're at the Academy together, he very slowly puts the pieces together in his head and reveals uh, He's like, Wait later a minute. on. My friend sometimes talked about things that weren't himself. <laughs> he re- he reveals later on, as they are planning on taking part in a, uh, I guess you could call it cadet uprising, that he knows who this person calling himself Char Aznable is. He is, in fact, Cosmal Daikum, the son of the late Zeon Daikum. And it turns out this Lino guy is a hard fucking... He- He's like a Leninist, I guess. Yeah, in Stalin's has, Russia, I, I suppose is sort of how you would how you would frame it. He's definitely got some early Marxist writings underneath his pillow, like his Bible and mm-hmm. his fucking Russia metaphor. And, and he he's really fucking into uh, Cosmol Daikum. He thinks that he is the true son of Zeon, right? Well, he was technically the true son of you know Zeon, the guy. And uh, you know, when it's just you and your friends, you you take notice of who's important, who can be a useful resource. And he to pledges you. his loyalty to Shar. And um, as Shar notes, this guy he puts him on list as the first person he's going to betray at the earliest opportunity. In this case, middle of this uprising, Char tells him to commandeer a tank. He says, "Okay, boss." Then Char says, "That tank's full of Federation goons. Take it out." <laughs> And take it out, they do. As uh, remarkable efficiency. It was. It was very quick. I think he'd cut off the guy's radio feed, so he couldn't tell anyone to stop. You yep. sort of had to watch him screaming as he died. It was very prototypical, actually, because this is sort of the way in which Char betrays people. He pulls switcheroos, mm-hmm. um, as he did with his namesake, as he does with uh, with Lino now, and as he is going to do. With the next person he betrays. No, I'm sorry. The fourth person he betrays. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, it starts I'm, to pile up. Because, because I'm missing one. All right. So let's fast forward a couple of years. The one-year war has begun. 
at this point, he's hit his stride and ace pilot dumb, lots of lots of enemy casualties, lots of civilian casualties, etc. You know how it goes he's sometimes. earned his nickname, the Red Comet. A nickname he earned for going fast and painting his suit red. Well, he also destroyed three... Um, three battleships. Three Federation battleships in a uh, pretty deadly battle that uh, I think it was noted they were outnumbered, they were outgunned, and they still managed to win. Oh, and in case your high school or uh, family didn't fetishize the First World War, there's the obvious, you know, Red Baron connection. Because, yeah. uh, right I don't know, it might take a professor to unpack the one. Might need a real close reading, you know, put that MFA to work. At this battle, a high-ranking Federation, they're the good guys, a high-ranking Federation admiral named Ibrahim Revel is taken prisoner. This is bad, because Revel is a really, uh, what would you call him? He's a really cool-headed guy who He's really would like this like... war to stop because people are dying in ways and in numbers they've never, ever died before. Less Patton, more someone who takes his medication and cares about the consequences of the things around him. Yeah, I'd liken him uh, less to William Tecumseh Sherman, a little bit more to, uh, to, to your Ulysses S. Grant. So Admiral Revel is taken prisoner, and at this point, in charge of... All of Zeon's military is a man named Giran Zabi. We need to we need to talk about Giran Zabi because he's a lot. We don't need to talk about Giran Zabi. We can talk about how his father described him as basically Hitler the sequel. I think he used Napoleon too. He used Napoleon too, like sort of the self esteem of Napoleon and the body count of a Hitler. Easily. A couple hundred times the body. Ca- I mean, you have to you have to scale it. You he know, one of them had tanks. Of- one of them had mobile suits. You know, it's like a within their own playgrounds. A similar shadow is cast. It was mentioned in Mobile Suit Gundam: The Origin that when they dropped the space colony on the planet, that was just half of the planet's population. Once you did all the math, and after you you know tally in you know famine and disease. Oh yeah, that's the original men fearing their own deeds. Minor um, diversion between the two of us. I my introduction to this franchise, Universal Century stuff, was I read the comic adaptation of the first series. Um, mostly gone of the origin. They basically got this virtuoso mangaka to. Um, I think he was the original um designer of the uh, of the mechs who did that one. Oh yeah, that's his connection. Yeah. That's his connection to. Fr- I could be wrong. Don't quote me. So I read all of that in this four day crack binge, which I still have random flashbacks to. <laughs> Jesus. And he watched the cartoon paced out like a human being. Yeah, no, it was, like, over the course of a week during one summer when I was, like, 15 or 16. Oh, that is not a normal pace, Jesus fucking Christ. No, no, it was, it was, I mean, it's, like, 43 episodes, I think. At any point, it's kind of strange that we don't have tattoos of this. I mean, that's next. <laughs> it's probably next. What Char does in this whole Rebel situation, you ever, you ever fuck up your job on purpose? <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny, because the whole idea is that Giran Zabi, right, has been, um, they've gone around him. His father, Degwin Zabi, the patriarch of the Zabi family, absolutely is so against this war at this point. He's thinking, oh no, they're going to string us up like Musa fucking leanies. <laughs> I don't want this at all. What have we done? I just wanted power. I just wanted to be in charge. Was that so much to ask? The poor guy, he just wants to retire on, like, Napoleon Island. What he does is he arranges for Admiral Revel's um, <clears throat> rescue 
at the hands of agent provocateurs from the Federation. I was doing air quotes uh, for that whole thing. Yep. In an effort to get a smart guy with a cool head who could possibly end this back where he needs to be. Uh, it's a smart move. It sort of recalls a little bit how the German Empire decided to put Lenin on a train to Russia so that he could topple the Empire, which he did. And this is exactly what happens. The problem is that the ship that he is spirited away on ends up being encountered by the ship that Shar Hasnabal has just been given to command as and a reward he, for his actions at the battle where this admiral was captured. He sort of like snaps up to attention and thinks, I can make a zombie's life worse. I was doing something else with my day, and I could just be making a zombie's life worse. So he boards, he boards the ship, sees who the passenger is, and he was about to have them all killed, right? He was about to have them all killed. He sees who the guest of honor aboard is and says, Oh, this was all just a horrible misunderstanding. I'll let you be on your way. Carry on, sir. Godspeed, you black emperor. And Rebel flies back to Earth unmolested. And this actually, if you think about it, more or less wins the Federation the war. This action right here. Because Char ultimately does not give a shit about the cause. Char gives a shit about Char. I think that Char has to sort of check his hand to remember the various, like patriotic catchphrases things that he's supposed to be believing or how to spell his how to spell his superior commander's names Uh, so you may have noticed we broke a little sequence here and there's a little bit of rhyme to reason for that i consider the garmazabi betrayal the sort of the main chorus of the shar betrayal rule oh absolutely it is the most famous one garmazabi is a person who makes bad choices as often as shar makes mean-hearted ones oh absolutely he's just in the end, he's just an insecure rich kid. That's yeah. nothing more, nothing less. You you knew a Garmazabi growing up. Oh, absolutely. He... Unless you were a Garmazabi growing up. Does your dad love you? Does he really love you? You can earn his love. You can work for it. It's almost in your hands. Just a privileged kid who has siblings who accomplished very impressive, um, terrible, evil things, but impressive things, who feels that he needs to uh, sort of earn his way into his name, right? It's like if you were from a family of serial killers and the worst thing you'd ever done was a DUI. Yeah. Wow, that's my go-to metaphor. Okay, I'm going to go check myself into a facility, everyone. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed Weeaboo Hell. It's been great it's, it, it doing was stuff for you. Hell. It was Weeaboo Hell. So Garma looks up to Char because I guess Char has achieved more atrocities in his short time. I, I think we forgot to mention they went to the academy together. Yeah, Gar- They became very close. He actually, uh, he actually saved... Garma's life at one point while they were at the academy. The poor kid broke his leg on a run and probably would have starved off in the woods had Char not interceded. Not because, that the way because that Char they... plays the long game. He knew exactly who this guy was and who this guy's father had. Yeah, he was doing the sort of vengeance version of a, you know, edging? People were into edging? He was doing that. <laughs> he was edging himself on vengeance. <laughs> what ended up happening with Garma was that um, he got assigned to a sort of similar mission area as his old friend and thought, oh, nice, Blondie's back. Now we're really going to take it through these feddies. And they so do. they, they, they do, do for, for some a time. while. As you can imagine in any sort of like mecha thing centered on one ship, that ship is the death ship. They cleave through the enemy like butter. Shara's has noticed this tendency by this point. Yes, and uh, they've sort of been playing submarine for a little while, trying to sort of catch one another by surprise. 
Shar knows where Garma's ship is. Shar knows where the protagonist ship, it's called White Base, is. And Shar gives Garma some really faulty info about this and drives them right into the line of fire. Drives Garma right into the line of fire of and, White Base. And our heroes do the thing. They they, they do, do the not hold back. This really is really hard on them. What's more important than them doing the thing is Shar's opening up a fucking radio line to Garma and gloating to him the entire time that he's getting murdered. <laughs> the famous pre-killing-you-one-liner that he gives Garma is, you can blame this on the misfortune of your birth. <laughs> and then he laughs really, really hard and for a long time as Garma screams and curses his name. So I love the comic. I actually think in some ways it's even better than the animation, including Les Filler or what have you. But this is one area where the you animation kinda... wins because you cannot appreciate this scene without hearing Char laughing. It doesn't matter if you're watching it in English, Japanese, fucking Portuguese. I think He's everyone just can having just such key... a great time with this. Yeah, whoever is dubbing him at any time can really just key in on this moment. As this guy laughs his ass off as his, air quotes, best friend is blown apart by... He, he sounds like he's having more fun than he's ever had in his life. And having watched Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, which is just a story about how Char Esnable, the guy, came to be. Not to be confused with Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, the manga, which is just a straight adaptation of the original series with some backstory added to it. And then they adapted those scenes to the yada yada. To the yada yada and so on and so on. Uh, I do not think I ever saw him so happy knowing his entire backstory to date as he was when he betrayed Garmazavi. And for reference, throughout the show, you see him in love, you see him kill other old enemies, you see him win battles, achieve fame, see things work out sometimes. He is never in that state of spiritual dissatisfaction <laughs> that Garma's ship is getting blown apart. Remember the first time you ever saw the Avengers? And yeah. they do the whole New York, you know, one where basically all three acts are over and now they're just throwing you a party for having come. By just showing the Avengers all kicking ass in New York. Remember how you felt then, or at least how I felt then. He's We're the right only two there. people in the world, really. I would describe that sequence. Imagine a childhood bully with a laser pointer, and he has two pets. <laughs> and one of them is a bulldog. And sure, maybe some of them are nice. I, I always hear the Pitbull Defense Force. This isn't strike against him. But it's an abused Pitbull. This is just one of the bad ones. <laughs> this is, this is... Bad owner, bad dog, whatever. Both. The other one is an average kitten. Jesus And fuck. it sees the laser pointer dot. Says, ooh, friend, and paws at it. Jumps at it, you know? And this bully is slowly just inching this dot over to the Pitbull. <laughs> and that is how Karma Zombie dies. <laughs> 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 Jesus fuck. Um so moving on from that because I need to remove that mental image from my head because I don't know, I kind of like kitties. Shar actually manages to go pretty much the entire rest of the show without betraying anyone. With the sort of minor example of his sister, who is aboard White Base for pretty much the entirety of the series while he's trying to destroy it. And he knew she was there. But then we drift to the end. And in this closing sequence, if the first one was the psychological fucking even building to this match for ages, this one is just like 
out of Jeff Hardy jumping off a ladder onto another ladder or some shit. It's just the If y'all stun. watched WrestleMania this year and saw the Samoa Joe Rey Mysterio match, it was like that. It was just quick, the, It dirty. was over in seconds, and there was a very clear winner. Like, his sister had just finished calling him an asshole because he's an asshole and reminding him that, hey, I know you've been having fun playing Red Baron and all, but if you're going to be a revenge of best prick, could you at least go back to doing the zombie thing? And then he says, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so And goes and does drip- the zombie thing. So, uh... At the time, he's working for the spy master lady, uh, Kaecilia. Kaecilia Zabi. It should be noted that she probably molested him when he was a kid. It's kind of left ambiguous. So this is so this is just extra tasty for him, what he's about to do. Um, yeah, he's he's also really been edging this revenge. Like, <laughs> in theory, he could have probably just like walked over at a random point, just sort of gathered her three times and gone to jail, but that's not the route he's on. No. So she's about to escape. This is the final battle of the one-year war. Zeon has lost. They all know that at this point. She's trying to make her escape in her ship. But who should fly up to the bridge in a jetpack but Char Osnable with a rocket launcher? I want to, just to reestablish scale here, she is on the bridge of a spaceship. He is on a jetpack <laughs> in a hangar with a bazooka he just stole from some fucking some guy. Some fucking guy who's probably also dead now, too. And as you might have divined... He shoots into the bridge of this spaceship with this rocket launcher. Only, that's not really what happens. Because you see that this rocket makes contact with her fucking head and takes it off. Before it even has a chance to explode. It's like Gears of War meets Mortal Kombat. It is astounding. (laughs) It is a moment in fucking history. If you're into, I don't know what the genre choice would be, metalcore, dubstep, whatever the kids are setting their highlight MLG reels to these days. This is when the bass drops just now. God, I have to tell you, it's... It's important to note two other things. First off, she does see him for a moment. She sees him, she knows it's him, she sees... There's this moment of dawning horror as she realizes what's about to happen to her. I don't think she realizes that this is Zeon Daikum who's killing her. Uh, She never gets a chance to do so. But she sees that it is this man that she's trusted. Although, at one point, it's implied that this is in side material because there's a fuck ton of side material in this holy shit. Yeah, yeah, full. That she figured out his identity. There's evidence that she knew who he was. So maybe. Maybe that happens. Maybe she sees, oh, fuck, it's that kid I might or might not have touched when he was uh, when he was five years old. Uh, What's really important about this kill also is you get a bit of the internal monologue <laughs> as uh, Shah reflects on his past achievements, and by achievements I mean betrayals. And he, he's not doing the evil laugh in this scene the way he was with Garma, but you see this sense of calm satisfaction on his face after he's done. And the quote regarding Garma in this case. Garma, I'm sending you some company. (laughs) It's just so fucking glib. I love it. It really speaks to me. What I like about his plan during the One Year Warp is that he doesn't really seem to have a plan for how he's going to get back at the zombies. He just sort of takes his revenge wherever he can. Just stay close to them, and if you feel like you can get away with it, pull the fucking trigger. Well, we have all of these homicidal betrayals. We also want to take a moment for all the sort of just personal character failing, like really just disappointing people. <laughs> Knowing things about people and not doing the right thing with that information. 
for example, in Zeta Gundam, that's the sequel to sequel to the original series. I I uh, I love it a lot. He loves it a lot. Oh, it's it's one of the, it. It is arguably the best uh, Gundam series of all time. There's, it has that Empire Strikes Back rep. It does, yeah. It's way fucking darker. Uh, it is very serious, and oh man, does it have that Empire Strikes Back-ass ending. Speaking of way darker, there's um one character, she sort of has an espionage thing going, but she's also a pilot. Her name is Rekwa. And we find out that in the, in the First War or Between Wars, either way. It... It's very heavily implied and then confirmed inside material, because... You know, that's just sort of the nature of the beast with this sort of thing that Rekua during the first war or during the uh, during the one year war. Yes, was sexually assaulted by a number of Xeon soldiers. Uh, Xeon aren't like people's favorite people, people in the world, by the way. That is a uh, that is something that she went through. She's uh, she's a survivor of that. And what we are led to sort of understand is that. She entrusted this information to Shar Azimul, now going by the name of Quattro Regina, and kind of, like, expecting people to be cool and not recognize him, even though he's really just wearing a pair of fucking sunglasses instead of a mask now. On the scale he, of disguises, it's he's, worse than none. But Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, his reaction to this news about her group sexual assault is basically just... Just the letter K. <laughs> oh, that's rough. That's uh, that's rough, buddy. Yeah, yesterday I uh, I had to do a whole bunch of laundry at once. I was like, damn, I've got to carry all this back up the stairs. And like, it's easy, right? It's easy doing the laundry. It's even easy drying the laundry. But then it's sitting on your bed and you have to fold it. Now, nah, fuck that, man. Yeah. Man, anyway, I... yeah, it's uh, it's just it bad, sucks it's bad how you vibes were... right there. It sucks how you were in a labor camp. Was it a labor camp? Labor camp. Uh, oh wait, no, no. Your brother died. No, your brother. No shit. You broke your arm. I don't know. All right, What's all right, your well, name can again? We, can, we, can we do charades with this? Okay, just. Uh, Rekua would later go on to betray him. <laughs> so, he kind of sowed the seeds of his own. Yeah, it's about ten percent of his karmic backlash. I would say. A little bit, but he didn't even fucking die from it. Is the problem. <laughs> Well, yeah, because he's fucking MLG, <laughs> no-scope rocket launcher headshot at someone from across. I can only assume it was at least 300 fucking meters. It seemed like it was a good distance, yeah. So, hot damn. The next entry is one Haman Karn. Haman Karn is... If Shar Aznable did not exist, Haman Karn would be the most fascinating and cool bad guy in Mobile Suit Gundam's you know, she has history. one advantage over him, which is the wardrobe. Because by the end, she takes she. It's gonna sound bad when describing it, but she's got like this bumblebee fucking colored spiky thing, and it is way over the top. And it is really impressive. It is actually it's really impressive. It's one of those Darth Vader suit kind of things. You know, it's like you going into Star Wars riffs during Gundam sort of occupies that it, headspace it, with me. It's like that I mean, legacy my three franchise. Favorite, my three favorite media franchises of all time are Mobile Suit Gundam, Star Wars, and Mass Effect. In no particular order. I don't do orders. Um, so so it's, it's, yeah, no, it's all there in the same place. Yeah. The one thing that you'll find, quite obviously, that these three series have in common is that they all feature people with really nuanced psychic powers. But, uh, no, the uh, Haman Karn is an antagonist in Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam, and the main antagonist in its sequel series, Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zeta. 
Let's say it again. There is a side story, some side material. It was a whole manga. It ran for a very long time, actually, um, that told the story of what Char was doing between the original series, Mobile Suit Gundam, and its sequel series, Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. This is, there's an eight-year gap in between these shows, if I did not mention that already. Imagine you are such an inattentive partner, and also at a point where the person was at a very inappropriate age... Like, imagine being a bad enough partner that you turn someone into Stalin. That's that's part of Haman Karn's backstory, basically. I have to confess that um, I'm a little bit behind on my research on this one because I could not actually find this manga at any of the usual suspect uh, sites that I go to. Um, all Jimmy I know... Sam, we've purchased all of this material legally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all the, the usual suspect legal sites that I go to. Um... In my defense, I actually did buy all those fucking Gundam comics because I, don't know, I mean they're heartbound. They're they're fucking beautiful looking. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, they're they're great. Um, Haman Karn, he knew at one point in between these two series. All I know is that she was super into him, and maybe she was also like super fucking fifteen years old when he first met her. It's not a great, not a great move. Not, not a great a, move. not a great fucking luck. I don't know what the extent of their relationship was. It could have been ambiguous even in the comic. I, again, do not remember, did not read it. Ultimately, him violating the sort of campsite rule that Dan Savage has about like these age gap relationships. Just leave everything better than you found it. He was not very good with the campsite rule. <laughs> no, whatever the extent of their relationship was, he wasn't a good friend to Haman Karn. <laughs> And believe me, I've had some bad breakups. I'm pretty sure one of them is getting deported because of that. But I <laughs> haven't turned any of them into Stalin. I mean, get that you know of. Give it time. Uh, this was eight years. Oh yeah, good point. I should, I should call and make sure no one's no one's gulagging I mean, people like, up. This is it's 2019. If any bad shit's going to happen eight years from, it's more likely that it was going to have been like eight years ago. Again, so this was a more borderline nuanced case, Haman Karn. Really, it was the two zombies who are going to feel the most satisfying here. But let's um, but let's continue. I revisit those scenes sometimes, just when I need to smile. Oh yeah, because they're fucking perfect. They're like the first time you see them go around the fucking city in the uh, 3DMG and attack on Titan. It's just, <laughs> it's just fucking endorphins. Fucking great. The next person or group that he betrays is the AUG. The AUG is an acronym that stands for Anti-Earth Union Group. They are the good guy rebel alliance types in uh, Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. In between Mobile Suit Gundam and Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam, the Earth Federation has become tyrannical and has been more or less co-opted, taken over by a paramilitary group called the Titans. And I know it's hard for a lot of you to imagine a large democracy spiraling into a kind of populist rage, but just try to sort of stretch your conception, your imagination. Just your imagine that like such a thing could happen, that democratic backslide you know, could occur. Uh, so anyway, the AU gets a little scattered at first and they're lacking influence in sort of political intrigue aspect of this. So, hey, here's Quattro Bajina. You're obviously Char. Do you want to... Do you want to I know that you're and... not so into the earth. It's like, this is your opportunity to make a mark on history. This is an opportunity to change things. It's an opportunity to prevent countless lives being lost. And he stands and he sees that brass ring and... I want to give him some credit here. 
<laughs> I want to give him some credit because he does go for it for a while. He really, really tries to give a shit. He even tries to be a good mentor to the show's protagonist, Camille Badan, uh, which doesn't go that terribly well, but he, he, he gave it his best shot. At the end of the series, he fake not fakes his own death. Well, he kind of does. Kind of. He dips. He, he fucking dips. He does not renew his contract at all. And next we see him. We miss you, he's Dean. trying to drop a giant fucking asteroid on the Earth, which leads us to the final group he betrays: fucking humanity. The human as race he introduces, in general. Basically, over him being sad over one or two of his exes, this extinction plot. So his um his his whole plan is that humans need to not be on Earth anymore. I dig it. And instead of you know sort of engineering a plan to to get them motivated, you know, hey, it's gonna be so much better in space. His plan was no, we need to make it worse on Earth. No, no, worse isn't good enough. We need to destroy all life on Earth so that there's just people in space left because that's where we're meant to be, I guess. To understand this. When you think of radicalization, we normally think of someone moving from the center to the fringe. This is someone that started out in Zeon, <laughs> and he got radicalized just to kept getting fucking wipe worse. out all human life on Earth. What I thought was really interesting about all this, this is a man who went from giving absolutely no shits about any sort of cause or anything he's just a guy who likes flying mobile suits and really wants to kill the zombies that is char asimov age 19 at age oh God, i want to say he was 35 by the time uh by the time he'd next this plan he's taken over zeon again zeon's like a bad rash it just keeps coming back it just keeps fucking coming back and it keeps doing its shit and still still people think no no i believe in zeon <laughs> They can be a force for good. I just know it. I, I guess it's just, it's just that brand power. Maybe that logo is just too hype. They just want that It's arrow. a pretty fucking hype logo. I have actually considered it as a tattoo, but... I I mean, yeah, no, I myself am sometimes antisocial, always anti-fascist, and I really kind of have been considering getting a Xeon logo tattoo. It's just it's just such a fly-looking piece of, piece of design there. Really strokes your inner monarchist. I like iconography, what can I say? <laughs> but yeah, that's his... Final betrayal, just the uh, notion of um, monkeys on our rock. They no belong there no more. He we really... Uh, done with this now. Pulls a 180 on the whole right to survive issue. That is his final betrayal, because at that point, Amro kills him. And um, if Be- you take... Because someone fucking needed to. It was really on the world's checklist. I, I really cannot give Amro enough credit here, because if he hadn't... No... It was just going to get worse for mankind. Um, there's one um, takeaway you take from this other than my sterling fucking sense of humor and delivery. If you are someone who is willing to watch a show called Weeaboo Hell and you haven't watched Gundam for what I can only assume are religious reasons, just you do get it. get on that shit. God will forgive you. Whatever sin, whatever your religion says. I'm sure, I'm sure your God will I'm, forgive you. I'm not going to be all fucking get out of the room about this. Just do it. Just fucking do it. You're doing yourself a favor. Yeah, this isn't even a moral judge. It's more like you're watching your friend, like, just sort of sleep against a cheese grater. Like, you don't have to sleep on that you cheese grater. Don't Come do on. it. I've got this pillow here. It has robots. <laughs> no, you'll you'll be doing yourself a favor. It's one of the better sci-fi properties just ever. 
And for its 40th anniversary, I just wanted to give it a little bit of a plug in talking about the best character from it. Yeah, he really is something else. He's he's such an archetypical anime asshole, right? Because there are a couple out there, right? There's him. There's, of course, Dio. Uh, there's did, Gary Oak. I would did, put on that list. Did Hazuma from the fucking Blaze Blue Games meme in his way into that category by extension? Or is that just... He does not stand in the same room as, uh, as Griffith, no. Oh my god, Griffith. Griffith, also on that list. God, who the fuck else? Because, because Griffith, Char Esdival, and Dio are... The three big boys on that list. Gary Oak, I would consider a minor member of that pantheon. He's like At least in the, at least in the comedy column. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, fuck, who the hell else is on that thing? I'm not sure, but if you want to see one of the constellations in the dickbag sky, Char Aznable forms the head of that sort of penis in that constellation. Yeah, no. Just I... peeing on the human race forever. <laughs> Speaking of genitals... <laughs> oh... Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, I forgot we were doing this segment. Oh, we are doing this segment. You know, we, we like to do two features an episode, and I have no idea if it'll run as long as a Char bit because Char is near and dear to our hearts, but we frequent a uh, anime subreddit, which I know sounds crazy given the fact that we run a show called Weeaboo Hell. It's animemes. It's anime. The subreddit yeah. is animemes. It, its reputation probably precedes it. They... If you... If it doesn't, then, um... You know, they're they're fucking weebs. <laughs> they're fucking weebs. So are we. They're in your spectrum. If, and you're, if you're not, then I'm... That, that's actually a great compliment. Like, if, if you're just brought here by the dulcet tones of our voice, I... I mean, thank you. You're probably not. My voice is annoying at best. But uh, thank you for coming anyway. Um, so, I don't know what you're talking about. I sound like an angel. <laughs> the Animemes community, they play the waifu game pretty hard. They play it seasonally because anime has become very seasonal in the last, you know, several years. And, you know, the human heart is in constant. None of us can really stand by a particular animated figure for too long. So so when winter arrives or when spring arrives or whatever, there's always going to be a new batch of best girls that they kind of get all real fucking partisan about. <laughs> um, uh. As you it's do. one of those things where the ironic margin is weird because there are people who are 100% legitimately into these women and have some questions that need to be resolved in their own lives. And then there are the people who are just kind of fucking around and the whole area in between them. Yeah, it was 100 fucking percent Kaguya Shinomiya this last season. Yeah, there is a whole Triple H reign of terror thing going on there. <laughs> I, w- I was behind her. 150 percent uh but who cares about any of that because for about a week or so uh last week i want to say the best girl ironically or straightforwardly or was not a seasonal wife oh no no she was just a character from a five-year-old hentai and i'm not even joking i'm fascinated that was an old one that caught this heat like it's not even it's not even recent someone had to go digging for this motherfucking thing Someone said, I need my porn drag to be like a contemporary of the first fucking Sword Art Online series or something. So the title of this fucking sudden bumper crop rapid push to the title porno was Itadaki Seiyeki, which I... I'm not going to say what that's called. 
Well, I forgot what it translates directly to, so I kind of need you to. God damn. It means give me semen. <laughs> it, means, <laughs> it means give me semen. Okay. And um, I guess the micro recap of the thing is that it stars a high school male because I guess that's a target audience and they go real straightforward with these things. Who encounters a half vamp? I'm sorry, I'm air quoting right now. A half vampire, half succubus. Well, it's the vampire half that needs to um, drink human fluids, right? Um, right. And then it's the succubus half that, as we learn, God fucking damn. <laughs> <laughs> the succubus half out of using semen mancy can can, al- can alter herself to basically look however she wants to and this always plays out as breast expansion jesus there's not a lot of variation i can't believe i watched this fucking thing (laughs) you watched an episode of this thing and (laughs) i got no pleasure from it i should just disclaimer right up front you can believe me or not but this is it wasn't like good or anything there was something strangely not titillating about it at all it might have been her voice it might have it been. was the fucking voice let me tell you i'm a way more horned up person than him. i don't really do the hentai thing but even if i even if i did like her fucking voice in this makes me soft i can't it's a i and i know plenty of shows i've like women with like high-pitched voices and that's fine you can do that but those at least nominally are not pornography and Sex is a multi sort of sense organ experience, and if my ears say pain, I'm not going to be fucking throwing a tree up. Here's my hot take on, uh, well, just on pornography in general. I think the brain is a very self important organ that values things that stimulate it <laughs> far, far over things that stimulate other parts of the human body. Um, let's say the gonads, just for instance. You could say that there is value, underappreciated value, to pornography as an art form that is underappreciated because it's not really engaging you in the way that other art engages you. It's engaging you in um, the oldest way it possibly can. But all art has good art and bad art. And this, <laughs> this, this falls squarely in the latter. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, although... <laughs> Although I have to say, it does have its moments. It does have its moments. Mo- Mo- I wrote down some quotes because of... <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because structurally, this thing... It has like you know two how, acts. It has like This episode has like two acts. And it does this thing that Brazzers, I guess, was really into between like, 20, like 2015 and 18, where half things are basically comedy sketches. Yeah, I... I don't know why why porn does that or tried to do that. Or... I think it's part of the brain thing you're talking about. Like they think if you're just in a good mood going into it, you're more likely to I, I guess accept so. the horn accept the horn. I don't I don't think it's a bad strategy actually. It's not a bad strategy, it. but you need people who are able to tell jokes. You know, have recently they are not able to tell jokes to well and. It's this thing's demented fucking sense of humor. I can't and believe this segment was my idea. It was your idea, but some quotes, some quotes. First off, it's here, semen. <laughs> Which, there are a lot of things you can blame on translation, but I will believe to my grave that that is also stupid in Japanese. <laughs> I don't just imagine. 
This is what a fucking doorbell rings. It's here. Steven. <laughs> so that one happens. There's um your life energy is soaking into me. <laughs> Which we could do a whole fucking episode about stupid hentai dialogue. I mean, this is this is just such a fucking microcosm of the genre. Honestly, it's been dumber. We were it just covering this, this because for some reason hard and memetic, and I yeah, to... just went nuts for this fucking thing. So here we are. I think one thing that may have made people latch onto as much as they did is that this thing's pace just fucking clips from concept to concept. Like you do not get to rest on your fucking feet before they introduce their next like porno world world building thing and it makes it a very intentional sometimes unintentional other times funny experience it is really funny like i'll 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 give it that when it when it tries to make you laugh it does actually succeed (laughs) early on right the the whole setup is that this chick knocks this guy out and drags him to a uh, athletic shed right with the intention of uh drinking his blood Except she doesn't really like the taste of blood. She's kind of like shitty at being a vampire, I guess. And then says, okay, well, I don't know. Usually what I do is, is I drink sweat or something like that. Could I could could I get some sweat? And so then this guy. So then this, this, guy, this motherfucker. In what I can only call a king move. Like I, your, your your children should aspire to be like him. <laughs> it's such a fucking basically. Power he fucking ignores the fact that he's been kicked in the face. Ignores the bleeding on his neck and says, "Oh, you need fluids, huh?" And basically just whips it. He out. whips it the fuck out. Now I think it's already out when he says that. <laughs> I was well, my eyes go wide because I'm thinking there's gonna be like two more minutes of transition here. No. <laughs> No, he's just... He's sawing in. He's sawing in and he went for it. I want fucking Gecko. This guy should be on the fucking Lakers because he's just trying to throw threes. Be first. Be smart, be first, or be lucky. And this guy was all fucking three. And it worked out for him. Uh, I think I wrote down the words. Um, oh, yeah, here's one. Uh, hot stuff is coming. <laughs> I mean, that was the meme right there. That was the meme, yeah. <laughs> Which is just such a fucking great way of calling it right there. I don't know, like, maybe maybe they were thinking when writing this, listen, they've said it so many times. Every fucking hentai or just regular porn ever has had, you know, the lead female scream, I'm coming. We need something else. After seeing, We need th- something new. We need, to, we need to evolve this smartphone. After seeing this piece of fucking insanity, I want to put a challenge out. I don't know if, what the odds are among our viewers that there's an adult entertainer, but if you perform in direct, write, edit, adult entertainment of any form, I have a challenge for you. I want you to put one sentence I have never heard but is fully in context <laughs> in every one of your pornos going forward. Like, I will start a foundation or an award or some shit. If you do it, fucking email me. I'm trying to engage with you right now. I'm, I'm trying to come up with... Shit, I, I've I've got nothing. Um, it is a kind of a it's kind of a stupefying experience. I'm not surprised. This isn't a flaw on your part. This is a this is a strange. This is because of what we're feature. talking about here. Yeah. Also because of what we're talking about here. Yeah. The, the it, it's kind of endemic in the fucking subject. You're like, what do you say about the fucking semen mancer here? <laughs> like, is this Avatar the last cumbender? Like, <laughs> because we do this show, mm-hmm. I've seen way more in like terms of fucking like. 
just anime takes on relationships lately. And in the strengths Spicy. and weaknesses. Spicy meatball. Except for that one. This one, That one also has this fucking advantage. <laughs> Normally, they just circle the fucking drain forever before anyone does anything. No, this, they, so, they get right the fuck in there. So in both this and the Spicy Meatball Show. Which I think we recorded it already. I think it's probably going to end up coming out after this episode just because people are going to forget about this stupid fucking hentai real soon. Whereas I, I am you. convinced that... Whereas I am convinced that the spicy meatball show is like a hole in the force. <laughs> like people can just feel this psychic wound exists now. <laughs> I think after we're done recording this episode, we're going to we're going to watch one or two more of the spicy meatball show. And if you figured out what it is already, then I mean I mean give yourself a pat on the back. I'm pretty sure that this is what Giguk has been calling it. Congratulations. You've been successfully marketed to. Yes. Um <laughs> we're covering it. It's taken up an entire episode. There's no there's not going to be two segments on. Yeah, that was not that one's not a two for that one and just hit us like a goddamn truck. <laughs> and now we're dead in a JRPG world. I don't know if maybe me going to grad school was a mistake because it's not really a flaw for a porno to have, like, internal consistency problems. It doesn't fucking matter. In fact, before I say this, let me get into it. It does not fucking matter that it has a problem. It just stuck out to me in my head. Go for it. There is no real reason for her to not just be a normal succubus in this, right? Like, the vampire thing does nothing, really. Well, she needs... Like, it's just the blood gag in the beginning. Then she's just all semen all the time, right? Like, the succubus thing doesn't have, like, a point. No, I think... I think I know why. It's it's so that her character is allowed to be all, all fucking moe about it up front. I guess... I don't know, maybe the idea of a hybrid adds something? Like, that's... Are they going for a supernatural version of, like, a tragic mulatto here? I am struggling with this one. I'm pretty sure the vampire part of it exists because they thought the idea of... A supernatural being that really needs to drink <laughs> was was like, yeah, that's a winner right there. But that isn't pre- that just a succubus? Like, they're just sexy demons, right? And they tend to use this fact to further, you know, whatever fucking aim. So they needed to like elevate this to the level of a biological necessity. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that could only exist in porn. Just a being <laughs> that needs to be fucking. You- I mean, the protagonist at noon every day, they mentioned, like, that this is just what they do at lunch and after school. So, I know in the middle of other episodes, I keep going back to kick this other show in the ribs. But as I saw this porno that's just a porno, just doing its porno thing, I I thought, so wait, why do we even make fucking handshakers and if you people can just (laughs) crank it to this? Can you just, you can just watch the mountain of porn they make for you. Why do you need to, like, ruin one of the action-adventure slots of the season that we get? I'm beginning to suspect that Handshakers was a complicated tax dodge of some sort. It's the only thing that makes sense to me anymore at this point. It's, it's, it's like a U-Bowl kind of thing? It could be. I oh, would not I be could... surprised. You might be fucking onto something there, because otherwise I just do not understand the earth I'm on. It just... It's not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. This is not my beautiful half-vampire, half-succubus. You missed the opportunity to say waifu. I'm going to have to carry that weight. This has been Weeaboo Hell. I guess today we met one of the, the demons of Weeaboo Hell. We, yeah, no, a demon from Weeaboo Hell visited us on this episode. 
I don't have anything else to say about this fucking... This was my worst goddamn idea. <laughs> this segment right your here. Your worst or your best, man. I, like, say what you want. However awkward it was to watch this, you probably had less negative stuff going on in your head than during Handshakers. I've never taken notes with porn before. I've never actually had my phone out. I, I think I, my note-taking was just me sending my thoughts as I was watching it to you. Yeah, I just scribbled mine down on this piece of paper over here. Hot stuff has come. Hot stuff is coming. I'm sorry. It's such a perfect goddamn line. If I ever pivot into music, I'm making an album called Hot Stuff is Coming. No, wait. No, I write. You're a secret between me, you, and the listeners. I put out short stories. I get something out there every, I don't know, two, three months or so. I'm going to get something called Hot Stuff is Coming <laughs> published in a real dead-ass literary magazine <laughs> within the next two years. Personal goal. Mark it down, write it down, pester me about it on social media. Bet I'm going to fucking do it. It has to happen. This has been Denard, Blind Monkey Dale, this upcoming is... author of Hot Stuff is Coming. This has been Sam, Mute Monkey Legault, upcoming editor of Hot Stuff is Coming. Keep your eyes peeled. And this has been Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. You can visit weeabooHell.com or SeamReval.com or... We're on Spotify, we're on iTunes. Yeah, we boo hell, there's two E's. That's that's something I just learned several weeks ago, is that there's two E's in Weeaboo. I've always just read it with one. It is easy to miss. I mean, I guess you don't really think too much about these words that are basically idiot memes because it's not going... You're never going to have to spell correctly on something important. No, absolutely not. Well, yeah, probably not. Like, unless you are the person, actually his living girlfriend, that made the logo for Weeaboo Hell, spelling Weeaboo correctly is not on your daily list of concerns. It just doesn't fucking come up. Oh, I felt like such an asshole being like, no, Morgan, there's only one E. But she gave me this look. What a hilarious thing to be wrong about in an argument with, like, a significant other. Just... <laughs> it was... I felt supremely stupid because... And also, like, a supreme asshole because you'd already put a good couple hours of work into this. Oh, we should have been crediting her, like, just from the jump. Yeah, the logo Actually... for our show is by, uh, by my lovely and talented girlfriend, um... Morgan Wright. Mor her name is Morgan her name, Wright. Her name is Morgan Wright. Sorry. You've been using pronouns with her for so long that I've, her original name has fled you. That's I, I've been up since 4.30 in the morning. Do not at me. Yeah. Yeah, the art is by Morgan Wright. The uh, industrial theme is by Softfuck, a band comprised of one Thomas Koontz and one Mike Hart. They're great if you actually buy their music on uh, Bandcamp, where all the decent music lives these days basically you the most of the money tends to go through a charitable cause of some nature they've donated stuff like homeless shelters trans charities etc etc they're cool folks they're cool folks support their wares